0: Welcome to the next track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. I'm Doug Adams, and I'm Kirk McElhern. We self-produce the next track podcast and want to keep it ad-free, so we rely on contributions from listeners for support. You can help us by making a regular donation via Patreon. Visit Patreon.com/slash The Next Track, and thanks.
1: Today we're very happy to welcome back T.J. Connolly. We first spoke with T.J. Connolly, who scores live sports events. Last year, early in lockdown, he started a project called Uncertain FM, a improvised streaming radio station, which has now expanded to become a full-fledged streaming empire. TJ Connolly, thank you for joining us again. Thanks. Good to see you guys again. The Hi. the Uncertain FM empire started as, what, one radio show, and now I'm looking at your schedule. You've got a dozen different shows, more than that, nearly 20 different shows with different DJs.
2: There's, uh, I think at the moment there's 16 or 17 uh doing not just shows but djs doing sort of a some weekly some bi-weekly rotation but yeah i mean when we started it was me somewhere between two and four hours a day and now i pretty consistently try and do four hours uh sometimes with like a request hour um but i do the mornings and then right now we go till midnight every weekday um with everybody doing more or less two-hour shows and the weekends are a whole thing. And as we're recording this, we're coming off of Halloween weekend and it was uh, we had live shows. We did like a whole thing. Uh, the, how, how the, the station signed off last night at like two in the morning, uh, having gone since 10 a.m., which is bonkers.
1: So. That's amazing. And this started as a project just to fill your time since you couldn't do any of these live events in the sporting arenas that you were doing.
2: Well, that was the thing is I sort of ended up, I mean, I effectively got laid off the first four days of uh, lockdown as everyone was like, there will be no more congregating in large groups. And I was like, <laughs> ah, well, that pretty much <laughs> put the writing on the wall for me. And then, you know, I having the background in radio and also I, I'm sort of fond of saying it's a little trite on some level, but like I may have been training for this job my whole life, having been a programmer and someone with an interest in radio. And then because of uh Well, Fenway, which I actually retired from baseball to focus on radio uh this spring. Uh, I'm still doing all the other sports, but as a result, I have this sort of improbably large and eclectic library of music. And so that informs the show and it, it's all come together. And I just sort of have been talking to people I know from radio and, like, yeah, th- the phrase we've also used is retired college radio DJs, which is to say <laughs> grownups <laughs> who once did college radio. Um, But yeah, and pros who are just not doing it anymore because radio is what it is.
0: I have to tell you a story about your hoodies. Now, early on, to raise money to help fund the station, you were selling hoodies, Uncertain FM hoodies. And then you delivered them in person. Yep. (laughs) So that was a delicious treat. (laughs) And so I'm wearing the hoodie. It's a great hoodie. I wear it around a lot. And we go to have pizza once a week at this. Local Max and Leo's. I don't know if you've heard of that pizza place. I've
2: been probably to the one we're talking about, but go ahead. <laughs> well, we'll have to have pizza there sometime. But anyway,
0: yeah. we're there. We're hanging yeah. out at the counter. And after we finish our pizza, I feel a tug. And the guy goes, excuse me, what is privateer radio? Because that's what it says on the bottom. Nice. It says, Uncertain FM Privateer Radio. He goes, what is privateer radio? And I hadn't really thought about it. Yeah. And I thought, what a great <laughs> phrase that is. Anyway, I said, well, it's, uh, this is a buddy of mine has a streaming thing. Um, you know, he started it during lockdown and he goes, I used to do college radio. (laughs) I remember (laughs) you used to have to take the records and, and he explained to me the whole process about how you be a DJ. But, um, (laughs) the funny thing is, is that when they asked, and who, who is doing this? I said, well, it's the guy who does the, um, the, the, the sports DJing, you know, he's at the Patriots and the Fenway and the woman goes, Oh, TJ (laughs) Connolly. What? Uh, Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, that's it's incredible. a fact. And so it's wow. like, so people know that there's a guy who does music at sporting events. And knows who he is. And I thought that was great. I thought that was Yeah, true. I think it's pretty great, too. That's surprising. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's Do
1: you introduce yourself by name before the, before the games? No, is there a program with your name or something? Not at
2: all. It's very. um, I am, you know. Some people are like, "Oh, famous," and I'm like, "No, kind of perfectly not famous." Is where I'm at with it. (laughs) Like, if you know, you know, but if you don't, whatever.
0: The thing about some of these games is that people forget their TV shows. Everything runs on a schedule. It's like. We haven't got time to find out who's spinning the music. I mean, I, you know, you know.
1: Some don't. places have done well. You might get credits at some point, but where would the credits be in a well, ballpark? Well, it's
2: in in a lot of the um uh a lot of places now are actually sort of like talking up their DJ as part of their in-game entertainment.
0: Right,
2: um, right. Halftime like shows. Rec, who does the Celtics, who's a good friend, he they have a thing during. It's either halftime or one of their. It must be halftime, actually. Where they'll be like please enjoy this set and they have like a graphic they throw up and then they do a live shot of him doing the turntables and whatever and yeah i mean i'm if if they wanted to do that fine i'm also just as happy doing what i'm doing up where i'm doing it and uh you know it's uh it's an interesting blend too because having a lot of the articles that have been written along the way are like all written by sports reporters generally and so, like, the music side is a little bit harder because they, depending on who it is, some of the sports reporters are very into music and it works out real well. But sometimes it's just like, you know, the sort of intern grade reporter who's sent to be like, what about Sweet Caroline? And I'm like, I don't want to answer that anymore. Uh, I literally replied to one of those with they just I sent the Google result for my name and Sweet Caroline. And I was like, please read these other eight interviews before I answered this question somewhat
1: begrudging so you retired from fenway park because the radio station is doing so well
2: well it was also time i think after 15 years like let's 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 be honest and say that baseball is not a sport that is becoming more thrilling year to year uh they're definitely finding ways to make it less fun to watch um (laughs) and also just you know i mean there's there's obviously for any kind of like i was there for 15 years so like any big life change like that it's a long list of reasons but uh I'm really one of the things I'm very grateful for in the whole uncertain FM story is that I had a concrete thing to go do Um, rather than just sort of like retiring from that and then trying to figure out what I was doing. Now I've retired from that and at, you know, every three weeks or something when I notice that there's a baseball game going on, I'm just sort of laughing, being like, oh, I would be dead (laughs) if I tried to do that and this at the same time. And then also, you know. All of the jobs I have now, I know when I get to go home, which is a thing you don't have working in baseball because the game goes till it's over. That's right. Uh, Which like is awesome if you're 27 and where you're going afterwards is the bar and whatever. But now I'm older uh, by a lot (laughs) and uh, it's, you know, it's nice to be able to be like, I might be in bed at some point tonight or I would like to see my girlfriend this week, you know. (laughs)
1: aren't Aren't you broadcasting from home though?
2: Yes. No, the ra- it's not a problem for radio. I mean, with baseball, like it's. Oh, OK, yeah. right. I mean, baseball, particularly at Fenway, you just end up being you're there for, you know, whatever, three or four hours. I would get there at three thirty. So I was there for like a full eight hour day. And then you end up sitting in traffic for 45 minutes just trying to get out. And it's sort of like, you know, y- you get to the point where you're, you're uh, at the end of a long homestand kind of just like throw the ball. Like, let's go. Right? <laughs> Stop
0: standing there and dancing. and thinking.
1: Swing and miss, please. Yeah, just,
0: you know. One of the things that I think Kirk and I appreciate about what you've been able to do is that we're big believers in people should have a cottage industry. You know, you should be able to do things and then sell them to people. And then you become part of the village. You become an integral part of the village because you make these things. And the the ability to do what you do essentially from home Yeah. Um, And and having no overlords is probably a dream come true for most people. And and I'm a big believer in that's what people should be aiming for, you know, not taking over companies, but being able to stay home and make enough baskets (laughs) so that they can they can get by.
2: Yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not exactly plugging them, but like Patreon has actually done a lot for that. Like, that's how we support the station. Sure. And, um, you know, for the first few months, it was please support my rent. But then earlier this year, sort of made the like official fiscal transition to like now we are supporting the station, or like a while ago this year. But um, yeah, it's uh, it makes it very easy to realize like what is the there's something about like all all you need to live is like ten thousand fans worldwide, right? Like if there's just enough people who will buy whatever it is you put out every time, then you'll you'll you can live. Um, This is a thing I've heard other people in bands say, and it's it's a little bit like that, and like. I also have to say, uh, you know, I'm obviously delighted to get to do this and it's, uh, I'm very excited that it continues to work. Um, but the community part of it is also huge. I mean, there's a live chat that goes with the thing and like in a lot of ways, that's almost the greater accomplishment in that this has turned into this group of people who are, I mean, first off, we seem to have found some corner of the internet that's completely without monsters, which is amazing. Um, You know, I'm sure that the day will come when I have to shut down the open invite link, but like it's been a while and we haven't, so that's great. Terrific. But those people were all also ended up just by virtue of sort of list. They sort of ended up being like a local bar, and I'm just the jukebox. Like by virtue of all being together, they spent all of lockdown and everything that has been, you know, intermittently terrifying in the last eighteen months together. And it's this like close knit group of people, most of whom haven't met in a very like retro internet way, where you're like. You know, I might know someone's handle and not their real
1: name. Yeah, like, like back on so. Usenet in the day.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah.
1: Lockdown obviously has a lot to do with this, that people are were looking for connections that they couldn't have. We, we talked to a number of musicians early in lockdown, like from March till June or so, a number of classical musicians, and they were all just confused. What do I do? My entire career is playing music. I don't have any options. So they couldn't make that switch. There was an interesting article in The Guardian today, recording November 1st, The Great Resignation, Almost One in Four UK Workers Planning Job Change. And this is the most stunning thing that I find. People who never worked from home before, who all of a sudden found they could work from home and not spend two hours a day commuting, are starting to question they're capitalist overlords. Now, coincidentally, it was 25 years ago yesterday that I officially became a freelancer. So I've been working at home for all these years. And I just keep saying to people, my commute is 30 seconds from upstairs to downstairs. And if for that alone, it's worth working from home. I know not everyone can do it. There are a lot of people who feel isolated. Back When I started, I was working as a translator, and I knew people who started working and then eventually gave it up because they needed more contact. I think some of us are just natural loners, and we can do this. But the ability now through lockdown for people to discover this new, you know, as Doug said, basket weaving or whatever, I I think it's really powerful. I agree. I mean,
2: it's been, um, it is also interesting, I would say, via that same live chat and community to watch some people try and have to figure that out for the first time. And yeah. then also, just because of, like, my professional history, some of the people on the live chat are, like, you know, storied Unix admins who have been indoor kids their whole lives. And so, like, being there to sort of talk people through things and, and also by way of this chat, they sort of have a connection, too, which is, like, nice for that. But, uh, yeah, it is also, I will say, watching those discussions, being part of them to some degree, I am. it is good that I have discovered how to weave these baskets because listening to the way people, some people's jobs talk about them and treat them and whatever, I'm just like, oh, wow, I am never going to be able to work for anybody ever. Like, I can't believe your job would do that. Like, you know, why don't you, I would quit if someone said that. And then obviously exactly. that is why I become a guy who runs his own thing from the basement, I guess.
0: Well, the other thing too, yeah. is that it's given you, it hasn't stopped you from, from pushing and pushing and pushing in that direction. It's like, as, we, as we've as we just outlined, you started with four hours a day. Now you're doing it seven days a week, almost 24-7. Yeah. I mean, it's not inertia. There's there's something going on there. So you're propelling it, and you're making it... It's not just temporary. Yeah. It's the direction you've decided to go in.
2: Well, it's kind of funny. It's one of those things, I think... Um, I mean, so as I get older, and I'm sure you guys have had this experience to some degree, too, I realize that more and more of the sort of repeated messages that you hear that sound simple, that also sound trite also are repeated and trite because there's a degree of truth in them um, where you are figuring out uh, in this case, sort of like, this is the first time in my life that, and I've, I've had, this is like my, for, for lack of a better phrase, let's just go with, this is my fourth or fifth startup. You know, this is my fourth or fifth enterprise. Like one of which is like, I ran a karaoke business for nine years. Like it's been all over the place, you know, <laughs> um, but an app company and whatever else. And it's, interesting to me or not interesting but it's it's thrilling i should say to just sort of have this like over the horizon vision of what the future can be and like then the task is really a just trying to figure out what well, what do i do today like what's the what's today's steps towards that um but like you know i can picture there are things that i want uncertain fm to be doing that are going to take me until the end of next year at least just to get it done it's funny you mentioned 24 hour too we were 24 hours for about four months up until like two weeks ago because i wrote basically radio station automation software in python which is the adorably anthropomorphized warbler that everybody in the live chat has become big pals with um literally the minute i made him say something and respond to something in the chat that was just snap he became his own person (laughs) in the eyes of everyone and I had to I had to shut it down a couple of weeks ago just because I was having some problems with how it worked. And I was like, you know what? Let's take a break rather than try and uh, push through on this after all this time. Uh, it'll be back. And then it will be 24 hours all the time. And, uh, Doug, you might appreciate, like, I'm not doing it in a way that's doing the, like, three and two and one songs per hour or whatever. I'm basically... Part of why this was taking so much time is I'm taking actual human curated sets that I made that are either just a set without talk breaks from the rest of the show or different playlists I have and using those to do the overnight, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. So it's, it's much more of the model of like, you know, reaching into the milk crate in the back seat of your car to stick another cassette in the deck thing instead of just sort of like here's two 90s songs and one song you may remember from this and a current hit and whatever and letting an algorithm do it. I'm really trying to actually make it feel like a human being making radio the whole time.
0: You're doing the sags.
1: Yeah. But why don't you just replay some of the shows that are on overnight? I do well So so you've got so you've got I'm looking we'll link in the show notes your program schedules uncertain times from ten to two, replay from two to six, and then from six to midnight you've got a number of shows every day. Can't you replay some of them overnight?
2: Uh so that's actually what the weekends are right now. Everyone else's shows okay. that aren't mine is what uh and that's only a couple months old. It usually starts around ten AM on Saturday and Sunday and goes maybe till eight uh on the weekends, which is great too, because the thing is each of these shows is so distinct with its i mean the whole point is that it's all human curated right so for me it's having these additional voices involved and like their perspective on what they want to play some of them are themed like there's a jazz show there's a metal show there's a sort of like goth-ish show um but then it's also just people who are doing that sort of free form college radio thing and uh i've gotten a lot of good feedback from people on you know, because they have lives and cannot actually listen to the radio station 24 by seven. Um, they love being able to hear the shows on the weekend that they've missed during the week, because a lot of these have, you know, I mean, they're not like serials or anything, but they have a certain degree of progress where you you, you were like, oh, remember when they played that and what have you. So
1: I remember when I was in high school and I was listening to the Fordham University radio station. In New York, and it was the best radio station that there was. In part because they played good music, but also you could call them up and say, "Can you play this? Can you play that?" And you could you could talk to the DJs, and that was so cool. It wasn't like Alice and Steel on WNEW, and you know, no commercials, and, and it was definitely innovative uh, at the time. So I, I definitely appreciate that college radio sound that 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 belief that music can be good and that can be presented for enjoyment. Sound yeah.
2: And, like, not being afraid of songs that are five minutes long. You know, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. or yeah. even
1: longer. Yeah, Right. Or and even other longer
0: restrictions longer. that, you know, that are there. That, uh, as you say, the algorithm, and you can't... I remember we used to have a rule, you couldn't play two females back-to-back. Wow. You know, because that would offend <laughs> the men or something. I don't know wow. exactly, but, I mean, that was a How rule. How do
2: females feel about the two men back? Well, I guess that uh, wasn't the exactly.
0: well, <laughs> not okay. I, I was surprised because even the lady DJs were like, well, I can't play two ladies back-to-back. And I'm like, well... Well, yeah, I I like, but, that, a, but you understood how that worked. You yeah. understood that if you did, you might offend somebody.
2: I have a, I actually have a set that I've done before um, that has become known as the Beckdale set, um, which is all female artists, none of whom are singing about men or love. <laughs> That's um, a good one. It was uh, I was doing a, a theater show um, that had a, a strong sort of feminist bent, and I was like, "Well, what would I do with music for this?" And I was like, "Well, this is an interesting idea," and it actually turned out to be like a very interesting, like. It was a hell of a project. It's hard. First off, because, you know, like 80% of pop music is about love in some way anyway. So that's just a problem. But uh, it worked out pretty well. And it ended up being a little like, you know, like blondie, female fronted, fine. You know, if everyone else in the band is a dude, okay. Um, So it worked out. It was it's a really fun set. I uh, that's one of those things, actually, that I would play in the overnight is that you'd get one of the special presentations that are sort of like mixtapes. It's like, hey, here's this. Right. Uh, and you can sort of find out from there. But the only rules I, I give um the other DJs, so you can talk as much as you like or not. You know, please at some point in the show plug the uncertain Patreon. And uh I think that's it, actually. That might be the, all of the rules. And then, you know, please be sure to send a <laughs> Turn the lights out when you leave. Right. Yeah, you know, don't <laughs> send me something that's like a minute forty an hour and forty five for your two hour slot, like that kind of stuff.
1: So what do the DJs do? They take their music they paste it together with their voice
2: and send you a file? Yeah. There's this stuff called GarageBand, very popular
1: right now. (laughs) Well, I know. I'm just just asking. Is the process that simple? It is. So if I wanted to do a two-hour Grateful Dead show, I could send you four different versions of Darkstar with a couple minutes of talking (laughs) in between.
2: (laughs) There is such a set. It's funny because there's there's definitely a set of the uh, live community who are very into... And I'm just going to use the phrase jam bands, um, and how that is. And actually, we had somebody do as a guest. Um, there's like it was like a little bit of a shtick for a while with Fish uh, on the station, and uh, she went and did a guest set with one of the New York DJs, where it was an all it was all songs that Fish covered live, and then based on a tremendous amount of data, which turns out is a big thing with this was able to arrange it into a plausible fish show based on when it is played in the sets and whatever else. And it was a great show. And I mean, like, you know, I've seen him a couple times in general. That's not really my thing. But like it is I think we're going to get a show like that is what I'm saying. But the thing about the GarageBand is, is like it really makes it very approachable for people like I mean, audio production, as we were saying before we got on the call, like complicated and this makes it real approachable and then so there's the people who pre-record and then there's a smaller set of people who go live um and that is a lot logistically at this point obviously but it works um when it works like we have one guy who does a synthwave show that he actually simulcasts on Twitch and we just oh. take the audio from it and do it that way um huh. yeah it turns out that he may be some kind of giant in the world of synthwave which is like you guys know synthwave as a thing if you made an entire music genre out of the theme to Night Rider, um, oh,
0: it Yeah, is, okay. It's yeah.
2: really great to listen to, but it's very like it's <laughs> currently being done and strongly influenced by like Faltermeyer and a bunch of other like 80s synth stuff, yeah. and it all kind of just sounds like something you should be driving around at night listening to, <laughs> uh, you know, with your partner investigating yeah. crime, crimes or something. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what I want to know is why Doug doesn't have a show yet.:
0: I mean, that's uh, up to Doug really. Uh you know, I'll tell you why. You got to have the hankering, yeah, and you got to want to do it. And I did it. I played. <laughs> I was telling the gentleman at Max and Leo's, and it was as we were reminiscing. Yeah. I said, "You know what I used to do? I used to play vinyl discs live on the radio." <laughs> yeah. And I still am like, that, wait, that's "Wait a minute, DJing did you without really a do net, that?" Isn't it? Yeah, it's like doing it live. I'm like, "Did I really do that?" Yeah. And I'm thinking about it now. I did it for five hours a day. Sometimes, sometimes I did an afternoon shift that was five hours. I'm like, I got out of DJing to get into production because that's what I liked. I liked doing the imaging and the commercials and being and doing something different all the time. The thing about yep. DJing is it's pretty much the same thing all the time, and you have to maintain a you no, know, you have to maintain for five hours. You have to be a you know the same person for five hours. Yes. Now I have a little pioneer DJ controller. I got the the, the most inexpensive one they have the 200 and when i get the hankering i do a couple of segues and mm-hmm. then i go okay that was good
1: <laughs> and i don't
2: <laughs> that's enough i mean that's you enough. have your bat <laughs> you have your basket weaving project like you're that's are. right yeah. I, I gotta no, I get back you. to the baskets yeah it's um and i feel that i will tell you i mean i think that for a lot of people in radio the fact that i'm doing four hours of what has basically become fully improvised free form every day um It is becoming more... I mean, I think that, honestly, the the 15 years of doing sports, it's all technically basically improvised anyway, so that muscle was already there, but like... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this week, actually, having done... So we had the 400th episode of my show last week, and this week we're doing some replays during the day in the normal spot. Uh, One, just so I can, like, work on another round of merch and other stuff and do some things that aren't playing music on the radio, but... It's weird because in terms of making progress as a whole radio station, from time to time, the actual playing of music on the radio is one of the biggest obstacles because it takes time yeah. and because it takes energy. And I get off the air and I'm like, oh, I should do something. And then, you know, sometimes I try and go for a walk and kind of clear my head and come back and get something done. But it's, uh, yeah, mixing the two is tough. And yeah. uh, I mean, it's really fun, but it is. Sure is. It is
0: a real. It's real thrilling. It's thrilling, yeah. especially yeah. when you can do it live. But yeah. like I say, it's energy draining. A two-hour show once a week, I guess, would be fun. But even then, I think uh, after 15 minutes, I'd be bored. Um, yeah. But there are people who love to do it. It's, I mean, the energy is not it's not a problem.
1: Yeah, but what I'm thinking is if you don't have to be doing it live, right? If you can use logic to, to paste things together, it's not two hours. It's, it's eight you're hours. You're spending an hour— <laughs> No, no. You're you're spending an hour maybe to research to figure out what's going to go with what. Yeah. Then you drop a song in, do your segue, do your voice, whatever. So you're not you don't have that stress of being live and having to do it on the spot.
0: I suppose, but it would, it might take me about a month to do two hours that way. Right?
1: Why? I don't because
0: get it. Because it's just it's it's too much work for the um for the thrill. After there's no thrill afterwards. It's like I would ra- I would much rather see someone have a show. That really wants to do it. That really wants to shine and sparkle. I remember wanting to do that. I remember those days. It's like, oh boy, I get to go on the radio today. But I don't have that anymore.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, the same way I feel about DJing a baseball game. Yeah. Right. Technically very fun. Yeah, we all move on. But uh, I have done a lot of that, and I'm okay now. And uh, the other thing is, also depending on how much, like you can joke about throwing together four four spins of Darkstar and saying hello, but... I bet in reality, if you were making something that was two week, two hours every week, you would spend eight hours on it. You'd be curating. You'd be saying, oh, well, what about this? Does this go after yeah. that? And then one of the biggest things I try and impress upon people as they're you know, recording breaks is just first off, imagine you're on the phone with somebody that, you know, you know, so you can just be talking to someone and not staring at your wall and talking um, and then do your best to not re-record. like take your first take. If it's terrible, do it one more time, but do not let yourself do anything a fourth time, because then you will do it an eleventh yeah. time. And you'll, be, you'll <laughs> yeah. just be like, oh, I missed. It. I flubbed it. And just forget it. You're a human being. Do and it.
0: smile, too. You tell people to smile. I tell people to smile. They don't believe it works, but it works. <laughs>
2: I, I have So uh, So what
1: about the technical aspect? What about the technical aspects? We talked about this early on. You had written, you said, Python scripts and software to manage all this music. You've got to deal with logging it for royalties yeah. and all that. How, how has this evolved over 400 shows?
2: Um, well, that's – so a lot of it is the Warbler stuff. So that's actually why it's called Privateer Radio is because when we first started off, I had to actually – manage all of the licensing relationships with all the uh, PROs myself. So I had to sign up for BMI and ASCAP and all of that. Um, And because also like some of the things I would talk about on the air would obviously be just what I was working on. You know, so I would like make, there's like a running gag now whenever licensing talk comes up because it never comes up now because I found a streamer that packages the licensing into it, which was a huge bit of progress in terms of reducing uh, I mean, paperwork for lack of a better word um but uh that so the reason it's private to your radio is because it's pirate radio but licensed um was where that ridiculous thing came from uh in terms of the progress the so the the bot really just started off as a way to be able so you have to you have to put the the song info in the in the stream so that they can tell who is whatever it started as that now it handles all the replays it does a million things It, it uh takes in everybody's individual shows you know with the information because they submit like a list of what songs are in their show so that it can be timed appropriately and go out it runs all of that it you know as i was saying for the name of the science internally was cold fusion because it was almost there all the time um that was uh (laughs) but that was running the overnights and it was you know making sure it didn't repeat things and uh and trying to find You know, make sure stuff went with other things based on the sort of cassette tape in the back of the car model. Um, It had the whole day broken down into time windows so that it wouldn't be playing music that you would maybe want to hear at four in the afternoon at four in the morning and vice versa. Uh, And then different moods it would select from. I mean, it was really there's a lot to it. And in many ways, actually taking a break from it for two weeks has been great Uh, from being 24 hours just to stand back and be like, okay, hold on we were definitely at the bottom of a four month rabbit hole there. Like we can change a couple things. Um, but other than that, it's still mostly just me streaming from here, uh, using audio hijack, what like we were saying, like we were saying before. And, uh, you know, just taking in people's shows every day. I mean, it's, it's, it's very full time as a thing, but, uh, technology wise, that's kind of where it's at. I got a new mixer, you know, made, a, made a couple small changes like that just to, uh, make things a little smoother. But, uh, yeah,
1: And yet you're competing with the juggernaut that is Apple Music, who has just introduced this Apple Music voice plan. Yeah. For five bucks a month, you can only ask Siri to play music, but you can't see the types of playlists no. that you can ask for. Yeah. I'll, I'll link to an article on Mac Stories where they've found like 250 of them, which are things like singing in the shower, under the weather, help me sleep, yay, starting fresh inspiration but then you get things like checking email what kind of a playlist is there going to be for checking email i just don't get that one
2: i could see that kind of like you know maybe you know uh craft work or something like that just like something (laughs) that you kind of keeps your energy up in the background and makes things happen we actually were joking about that on the live chat uh because i perhaps unsurprisingly was have been waiting for the new round of macbooks for what feels like basically my entire life since i live off of one at work um but we were talking about how it, it was almost as if they were trying to Sherlock Warbler oh, okay? Um, because, which, of course, you know, they have an army of people and I'm this guy with a radio station. But uh, that is exactly how the overnight worked. Is that like I mean, there was literally a, I mean, it wasn't based on like music to sit around, but like there was a set that would play any time between like 1 a.m. and 6 a.m. That was just like stoner. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, hey, are you up late? Maybe this is why, you know, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and another one that there was a uh, there was one that was um, oh, it had a really great name, but it was basically like a the uh, '90s hacker movie playlist of like, hey, are you writing some code? Like, is someone flashing a light on you while you type? <laughs> like that kind of vibe, you know. There was another one that was just sexy golf and that played from like eleven, and but it was it would pick, you know, it didn't always play the same stuff every time, but it would say like, this is a, a time when that mood might happen. I almost got it where it would respond to weather. Um, wow. Yeah. Cause obviously I have some rain sets. Sure. So, so you um, could
1: script it. If dark sky says it's going to rain in the area that you could play a specific group of songs until the rain stops.
2: More or less. Yeah. That's basically the idea. I mean, <laughs> fact, really I,
1: wild. I just didn't <laughs> get
2: to it. Honestly. I talked to some folks. I, I wrote a thing. I'll, uh, we talked about using like a toast API to work with restaurants And like count the number of open checks and choose the music based on that to see how busy the restaurant is,
0: Um,
2: which is a thing that Warbler basically does now, except for that API call. So like it's a there's a lot of angles for potentially the future, you know.
1: Right. So what is the future? Are you going to start marketing your product? which seems to be mostly human driven and there's only one of you so that makes it kind of difficult doesn't it
2: right no i i uh i mean there's an old joke in the land of of being a a unix nerd where you're always trying to replace yourself with a small shell script and uh (laughs) in a lot of ways that's sort of what i'm doing except i'm really just trying to clone myself uh to some degree um i mean there are a lot of sort of uh this this will make for a terrible podcast but i will show you visually now. This is about half the post-it notes that are my task management system that are just a heap <laughs> on the... Uh,
1: Narrator. TJ is holding up a sheaf of post-it notes. Yes. Imagine, if you will,
2: the scene in Superman 3 where Richard Pryor is pulling out his notes for the supercomputer and you will be like, oh, this crazy <laughs> yeah. maniac trying to build a thing.
1: Um, yeah. So see you've also got a whiteboard behind you over there. Is that where you plot out the future as well? That uh, is exactly what I got that for.
2: Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, every once in a while is easier to kind of go big they are actually sort of the bad joke is that it's the giant post-it note kind of thing where you yeah. pull it off and stick it right. um so there's that and then here i'll just have one more visual aid you can decide whether to include this portion or not but the progress meter is a very special <laughs> trash can that is only for post-it notes
1: <laughs> that looks exactly like the mac os trash can icon It kind of does yeah right
2: yeah it's, uh, it's pretty fun. um so there's like things that are you know far future that we can do fun things with but a lot of it for now i am now working with somebody um locally who i've known for a while who did some of the marketing stuff for other local stations that were sort of indie or alternative or what have you and some of which were streaming also so he knows exactly what he's doing we've been working together for about two weeks and actually i was talking to a friend of mine who's a dj is a commercial dj on um 92.9 or something like that, one of the local stations. Um, And he was saying, he knows both of us and was like, oh, I'm so glad you guys are working together. Like, it's great. Um, And I was like, yes, he's doing an amazing job. And sort of off the cuff, I just said, like, it's been two weeks and now my mother understands what I'm doing. Uh, Which is... (laughs) that's Literally. worth his salary right there, right? I mean, I, he wrote a press release, and I was like, neat, huh? And they were like, oh. And I was like, thank you guys for being patient for the last year and a half and kind of being like, whatever, dear, this sounds like good things, I guess, if you're happy about it, so are we. you know." And now they're like, oh, yeah, this is kind of cool. I'm like, yes, excellent, great job. So we're working on the marketing side. That kind of stuff is coming together. And uh, yeah, and then we'll see where it goes. I mean, the metric is always just trying to get to the point where, I mean, quite frankly, at some point I'm going to want a paycheck, I guess. Like, right now, I'm really supporting myself with everything else I do. Um, and this guy who's helping out is the first guy to to get paid, so to speak, in quotes. But, um, yeah, I mean, that will be – that's sort of the last line of sustainability is, like, will I be able to sell enough baskets such that I can really, truly do all the basket making all the time, which will bring the future closer, faster, et cetera. Here we are trying to build a little dream, that kind of thing.
1: So just using the restaurant example, you could – you could make selections of music for specific restaurants, for their style, for sure. the type of clientele, et cetera. You could have classical sets, you could have jazz, and you could have rock, et cetera. Yeah. And you could market this as a as a better-than-Spotify-Apple-Music playlist solution, because people will feel more of a personal attachment to the music.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's not shuffle. And I mean, I think you could I could probably market it on, hey, you know, bartenders of earth, you will not have to worry about the music. You know? <laughs> right. Like, you will not, you will not have to hear in... the
1: same songs over and over.
2: Right. Well, like 20 people won't walk in all at once and suddenly you're playing this like kind of down vibe, you know, while the bar is slammed because you just haven't had time making drinks to turn around and change the music. Like maybe right. it will adapt on its own. And I mean, the other big advantage right. is, you know, the quasi barrier to entry and such a thing, other than having written something already that handles the sort of playback and selection and all of that. Is that I have this massive library of music that plays well together, that's human curated. Mm-hmm. Um, whether I'm talking about sets from the show or whether I'm talking about some of these playlists I've made, I mean I've done consulting for restaurants where, you know, they say, "Can you make us a big shuffle list that sounds kind of like this?" And they usually want like five or six. Um, and this is sort of just the next next step from that. Um, it is very much sort of a side thing. I mean, I'm the the radio is first, but I. There will come a day where I'm, I actually make that API thing work just for fun. And if it actually works, then maybe we'll have more realistic conversations. I mean, the, the whole idea came from just talking to a friend uh, who's running a place over in Kendall Square. The whole, like, State Park and Vincent's empire. And we were talking about it, and he was like, it'd be neat if it did this. And I was like, oh, secretly I may have completed 90% of this project already. Uh, <laughs> neat. Let's talk again. So basically
1: point, the so. music adapts to... The traffic in the restaurant. yeah, the, the bar. yeah.
2: The well, and it has to be kind of smart, too, obviously, right? Because, like, you know, you can't, it can't be like a quiet night and then somebody buys a $500 bottle of champagne and suddenly it's like a slamming club, right? <laughs> like, it has to
1: actually be able to
0: try and evaluate the room to some degree. Right. Right. You have to
1: know how many people are there, not well, how much money. Motion is sensors,
0: speaking. motion detectors, yeah. uh, things like that.
1: It's basically
2: oh, it's just gonna turn it into a little AI on its own, basically, that just yeah. monitors the entire you start talking about it, it starts to sound strange. But uh but this again, you know, this is all like kind of sidebar stuff. Like it's it's the usefulness that I think is is good in almost any startup where you sort of figure out other markets for your product that were not what you were shooting for. But I mean, for me, it is all the love of the radio and being able to connect to people and just like I mean you just bring a little joy like every Friday is the big stupid dance party and it is stupid. I mean literally <laughs> like you know we I'm like I, I play I'm like this music might be terrible but nobody gets to be cool on Friday. It was totally organic. It was a uh, way back so this was 400 on Friday and like the 19th show one of the people in the live chat you know it was Friday I was exhausted cuz I had not yet really built up these muscles of being able to just play on there forever. And, uh, I was like, I don't know, anybody have any requests? And she was like, Beyonce. And I was like, sure. And then I mixed that into something else because, you know, I can do a live party. And it just sort of went one thing to another. And everybody was like, this is great. What a wonderful Friday. And so I did it next, same as the radio show, you know? People yeah. liked it. I did it the next time. And then now I've done it 400 times. And, uh, I mean, the dance party like 80 times, but you get the idea. Um, and, uh, and it's fun. And it also doesn't stop us from playing dance music the rest of the week, necessarily. It's just like, maybe if what you're looking for is Wilco, Friday is not the day. Um, <laughs> right. But I mean, in the in the other hand, you might be like, you know, I didn't know that I was going to listen to a weird mashup in which someone suddenly starts playing the Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego theme in the middle of it. <laughs> but we might do that, too, because it's fun and dumb and no one yeah. gets to be cool. You know, it's uh, it's fun. It's a really it's a nice vibe. So uh yeah. And it it makes it easier to do Friday, because by that point, everyone's kind of beat. So you can just kind of have fun and enjoy it.
1: Okay, TJ Connolly, thanks for joining us. We'll have links in the show notes. We'll talk to you in a year or so and see where the project's gone.
2: Excellent. Thank you very much, guys. Great to be here.
0: As usual, we'd like to thank our Patreon patrons if you'd like to help support the show. And if you like the show, we'd really encourage you to think about it. Head over to patreon.com slash the next track. All it takes is a couple of bucks a month and we'll be sailing. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Kirk, you got a next track?
1: This week's pick is the latest Grateful Dead box set. Every year I buy the annual Grateful Dead box set. And sometimes it's a lot of discs and sometimes it's not too many. This one is called Listen to the River, St. Louis 71, 72, 73, which you kind of think they're looking for ideas when they're coming up with sets that aren't, you know, they did like a June 76 recently, or they did, you know, Europe 72. There's much more of a cohesion. Here, they looked at a bunch of shows, seven concerts in St. Louis, five of them at the Fox Theater, two at the Keele Auditorium, which is a little bit bigger, two of them in 71, three in 72, and two in 73. And It's not really, there's not that much of a link with them. But what I really like about this set is the Dead from 71, 72, and 73 are very different. 71 Dead, as like in the Skull and Roses set that we talked about a couple months ago, has a really particular sound. 72, they started getting spaced out. 73, Pigpen was gone. And the band started getting a little bit jazzier. Songs like Eyes of the World, Weather Report Suite. So you're seeing a nice snapshot of the band over three years, roughly the same time. First to December, the rest of the shows are all in October. So it's roughly the same time of the year that they go to St. Louis. Wonderful sound, great music, as usual. 20 CDs, Grateful Dead, Listen to the River, St. Louis. It's $175 on CD. It's $140 for the digital download only. Limited edition on CD. There's only 13,000 available and it will sell out soon. Doug, what's your pick? I think this pick picked me.
0: Uh, For a few months, I've been hearing this one particular song, and I kind of guessed it was sung by Delbert McClinton. And it goes, right around the corner, that's where my baby stays. And then the guys in the background go, that's where my baby stays. That's where my baby. Right? And I keep hearing this all the time. Now, I don't know what it is. I know it's Delbert McClinton. And I've been hearing it for months, and it just kind of pops in at the most... Well, interesting moments. So I finally found out what it was, and it is from an album put out by Steve Cropper called Dedicated, A Salute to the Five Royales. Now, I had not really ever heard the Five Royales. I've heard of them, and I've also heard of their leader and chief songwriter. His name is uh, Loman Pauling, or sometimes called Pete Pauling, but Loman Pauling. And uh, these guys had a lot of hits on the R&B scene. And, and they're not exactly R&B. They're, they're one of these pre-rock and roll bands that took gospel, that took two-step, that took country music, that took uh, blues and kind of mixed it all together. Doo-wop is in there. That's what this particular Delbert McClinton song was, a doo-wop song. And Steve Cropper, who you may know as the uh, guitarist for Booker T and the MGs and the the, the studio guy at Stax, and... I suppose I would be remiss if I didn't say he was on the Blues Brothers records. But anyway, Steve Cropper puts this album out in 2011 to uh, pay tribute to the, the Five Royales. And let me tell you, there are some fantastic people on this record, not just Delbert McClinton. You've also got Steve Winwood, Lucinda Williams, uh, the great blues singer Betty LeVette, and so many great songs. For instance, Think, which was a hit for James Brown. Um What else is on here? Uh Baby, don't do it, which I believe is a Ray Charles song. Um, Help me, somebody, which another Ray Charles song. This is just great stuff, and what a just a terrific tribute to this sound. And of course, Steve Cropper just has that nice light touch guitar sound, and it's that sound is in every one of these songs. It's just a terrific record. So if you can check it out, it's really great, especially if you like early '50s stuff and you like pre-rock and roll, like I know I do. Dedicated, a salute to the Five Royales, is my next track. This was episode number 222, 222 two, two of The Next Track. Thanks for listening. You can start or join a conversation in the comments section of this episode's show page at our website. You'll also find links to some of the things we talked about in the show notes for this episode. Just visit TheNextTrack.com. You can follow us on Twitter at NextTrackCast. And don't forget, you can support The Next Track by making regular donations via Patreon. We are ad-free and we are self-sustaining, so your support is what keeps us going. Visit Patreon.com slash track. I'm Doug Adams, and for Kirk McElhern, thanks again. We'll talk to you next time.